That right there is what we mean by family integrated. Welcome. Merry Christmas. I have lights on my face and I can't see very well out there, but I'm going to say it again. Merry Christmas to you all and welcome to Cross Train Church. Cross Train Church exists to glorify God by training people to teach God's truth in the context of redemptive community. We're so glad you guys are here today. My name is Jeff Dawkins. I have the privilege of serving as one of the elders. And on that, I'm going to invite two other elders up, John Morris and Pastor Doug. And we are going to light the Christ candle. Now, as they come up here and they grab the candles down there, and one of them will get my candle, we have our candles of hope, peace, joy, and love. And all of those come together tonight for the center candle, the Christ candle. And so we're going to light that together. And then later on at the end of service, you guys will see how his light, the light of Christ, spreads from the one another's. So we light the Christ candle and we extinguish the other candles because the Christ candle is the fulfillment of hope, peace, joy, and love. I'm going to open up with Isaiah. So it may be tough for you guys to see in your Bibles, but if you stand with me, we're going to show honor to the Lord by standing up as I read this passage of Scripture. It's going to be out of Isaiah 55. I'm going to read verses 6 through 13. So Isaiah is in the middle. It's right after Psalms. This is the word of the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord. And he will have compassion on him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bear and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up. And instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up. And it will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in prayer. Lord, as we open up this time, this weekend that we celebrate, it's, it's amazing to me as I journaled this morning that as we think about what love really means, and we were journaling out of 1 Corinthians 13, that you loved us enough to understand from the beginning, before you sent Jesus to earth, that you would put all of our sins on him, and that you would crush him for my sin. And for those people that would believe in the promise and the hope that comes from the cross, Lord, I pray that 
that truth and that hope carries us forward. And we celebrate for the joy in our world, for the everyday things, to actually pale in comparison to the joy of Christ in our hearts. For grateful hearts recognize the need for forgiveness and grace. And it's too great to get on our own without Jesus. Lord, you gave us Christ. And so may Christ and Christ alone be magnified tonight, this weekend, and throughout our lives as we show people what truly is the Christ in Christmas. And all God's people said, amen. Go ahead and have a seat.
Lord, we just come before you tonight, and um, I thank you for this time that we get to be together and to celebrate and to quiet our hearts before um, just the busyness of tonight and tomorrow. Um, Lord, thank you for the truth that we just sang, that you are and in, you became incarnate, Lord, that you became human, um, you felt our pain, you bore our cross, um, you walked the same dirt that we walk, Lord, and so um, for that we have hope. Lord, as, as the Old Testament saints just looked forward to your first coming and, and cried out, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Lord, as Isaiah said, the virgin shall um, give birth and, and his name will be called Emmanuel. And now we get to look forward to your second coming um, because once again, you will be Emmanuel in Revelation. It says that, um, that your dwelling place is with us. And so someday when you bring heaven to earth, and you make it all perfect and complete, we can rejoice and say that, yes, again, Emmanuel has come, and this time it's forever. And um, that's where our hope is. And so, Lord, I pray that you would fill our hearts with the hope um, of the baby born in a manger that was destined to die a cross, so that he um, could take our sins away. And we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, come, oh, come,
one more time. Rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Go ahead and have a seat. Why are we gathered here tonight? What is this season that we celebrate? We call it Christmas, but Christmas isn't just the name of a holiday. Christmas is the celebration of the event that sent heaven singing. We gather here tonight to celebrate that God himself became a person in Bethlehem. God became a person, and that person is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the light of the world. This has been God's plan from the beginning. The angels who fight the spiritual forces of darkness on our behalf could not wait for the day that the Lord would fulfill the promise of redeeming all that was lost in our rebellion. They knew the word eternal would become the word incarnate. They just didn't know when. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser Satan came with them. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Let's take a minute and imagine what it might have been like in the throne room of God when the Almighty finally announced his intentions to the archangel Gabriel. God addresses the captain of his heavenly hosts. Gabriel, you have reached the kingdom well. You are a noble messenger. Never have you flinched in your duty. The sound of the Lord's voice always stirred Gabriel's heart, and his response was as it always was. Whatever you ask, my Lord, I will do a thousand times over. Of that there is no doubt, dear messenger, said the father, but your greatest work lies ahead of you. Your next assignment is to carry the message you have waited so long to deliver that the great gift of salvation of my son will be coming to earth. Gabriel could not hide his angelic excitement. O oh, holy exalted one, we have waited so long to witness this wonder. Thank you for the privilege of being the one who gets to bring your good news of great joy. Gabriel was about to depart when he heard a sound that made his back stiffen and smelled a stench that made his stomach turn. Without a moment's hesitation or ounce of fear, Gabriel drew his sword and turned to do battle with the enemy. But his heavenly father put his hand on Gabriel's shoulder and said, Worry not, Gabriel. Lucifer will do you no harm here. Sheath your blade, brave one. Lucifer turned away from Gabriel and toward God in bold, sin-filled indignation. I'm guessing your news must be urgent or you would not summon the great Gabriel to send it. But whatever the message, I'm sure it will have no greater success than any of the rest of your words. I will ruin it once again. Even as the leader of the fallen angels said this, he was forced to cover his face, for he could not bear the light given off by the living God. Gabriel could not hold back his tongue. Be careful how you speak to the Almighty. Your time will come, and your end is certain. Make no mistake, the great Redeemer will restore all that you think you have ruined. But Satan would not be silenced. Don't be so sure, Gabriel. 
I still have a few tricks up my sleeve to thwart the plans of your precious master. God speaks. You think too highly of yourself, fallen one, and this has been and always will be your doom. Lucifer's prideful heart just grew more bitter. Of course I do. I thwart everything you do. You soften hearts, I harden them. You teach truth, I whisper lies. You offer joy, I steal it. The betrayal of Joseph by his brothers, I did that. Moses banished into the desert for killing a man, I did that. David watching Bathsheba bathe, that was me. I know your plans, God. I remember what you said in the garden the day I deceived these humans you hold so dear, that the seed of Eve would crush my head, but there are none born of man that can stand against me. There is none who is sinless, not Abraham, not Moses, not Ruth, not even your precious David. The father stood up from his throne and addresses the dark one, releasing a wave of holy light so intense that Lucifer staggered backwards and was thrown to the floor. Enough of these. Those are my children, you mock. You think you know much, fallen angel, but you know little. Your mind dwells in the valley of self. Come forward, deceiver. I want you to read for yourself from this scroll the name of the one who will call your bluff. Read the name of the one who will storm your gates. Speak the name of the one who will crush your head. Satan stammers. Emmanuel? God with us? The father motioned toward Gabriel, who came forward once more, bowing again before his Lord. Now go, my messenger, you will find a young girl named Mary. She lives among my chosen people. The fruit of her womb will be the Messiah, the Son of God, the Redeemer of men, the Restorer of all. Gabriel could not possibly comprehend all God had planned, but he didn't need to understand it. He simply needed to be obedient. As he turned to depart, he recites the word, recites the word spoken 700 years before through a prophet of God by the name of Isaiah. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. This is why we gather here with friends and family. We gather to reflect on that night more than 2,000 years ago, a night like no other before or since. What happened on that night changed all of human history. This was the night when God brought into the world the one who is perfect light. This is the night in which we light candles to remember that the light of the world spreads through us as our lives touch others. What a night to call Christmas. The father calls Gabriel back to the throne one final time to give him one last bit of direction. Jesus, tell Mary to call my son Jesus. Did you know that that name means Yahweh is salvation? What a powerful name for the perfect one, the one who is and was and is to come. The Almighty at his name. Redemption will unfold. Restoration will happen. Renewal will come. Let the world rejoice. Jesus is on the move. In the first light of a new day, 
continued as they had been while a newborn softly cried. But the heavens wrapped in wonder knew the meaning of his birth in the weakness of a Twentieth century author and theologian A.W. Tozer said this The whole of the Bible supports the idea God is speaking. Not God spoke, but God is speaking. He is by his nature continuously articulate. He fills the world with his speaking voice. The word of God affects the hearts of men as light in the soul. We too often believe a silent God suddenly began to speak in a book, and when the book was finished, lapsed back into silence again forever. The facts are that God is not silent. He has never been silent. It is the nature of God to speak. 
The second person of the Holy Trinity is called the Word. If you would follow on to know the Lord, come at once to your open Bible, expecting it to speak to you. Pray with me. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for uh, the beauty of this night, and, and this night in this place, but more, way more importantly, that night 2,000 years ago, that you punched a hole in this world and did the miraculous. The word became flesh, and you made your dwelling among us, that you might live a life we could not live and die a death that we deserve, that we might gain life with you. That is the story of the gospel. It is, it is what you have been speaking since the garden. You buy back rebels and you pay the price. That's why you came. And someday soon, Lord willing, Maranatha, Lord soon, you will come again. And you will not come as a baby in a manger, but you will come as the warrior king. And you will establish your kingdom on this planet as heaven comes to earth. And those who have come to faith in Christ will rule and reign with you forever and ever and ever. And until that day, you have not left us here alone. You have given us your Holy Spirit, the light in us, the hope of glory. You've given us one another to be able to speak words of grace and truth over each other. And you've given us your word, which is you. So Lord, as we continue to worship you now and talk about what you have to say about you in your word, may we see how very important it is to us. And may we walk out of here tonight and go on to our celebration, not the same. Not because of beautiful music or candles or even your word, but because we have encountered the living God. That can only happen by the power of your spirit. And we look forward to the ministry of your spirit now, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. So we are in this series, and we're about to finish it. We'll finish it next week here um, at 10 a.m. on New Year's Day. But um, we're, we're talking about the weary world rejoices. And, and the tagline of that is, is, like, how do we let our souls rejoice in the coming of the King? And in a world that is so hard and dark and joy-stealing and, and, and the enemies of our flesh and the, enemies of, the enemy of Satan and the enemy of the world are constantly trying to take away our hope, our peace, our joy, our love, how do we hold on to those things? And the answer is Jesus Christ. But we've been talking about specifically how do we do that. We talked about how it takes practice. Like we have to practice giving thanks and being joyful. We have to start by giving thanks. Then we have to find our hope in finding Christ. Right? And then we talked about how our peace comes from his power. Like recognizing who he is and what he's done and what he's doing, that's how we find peace in a world that is just not, does, not, does not have peace in it. And then lastly, through those things, we looked at how if, if those things are true in our lives, we can then live our lives in the love that he has for us. And so tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to see, as you've already heard, how these lights of hope and peace and joy and love come together perfectly in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I can't think of any a better way to do that for us to encounter God, for us to see Jesus, than to look at a piece of Scripture together that is about Him and His coming. 
So I'm going to walk us through fairly quickly a, a two, just two parts of John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, we're going to look at how we need to find faith in the eternal word. And the, and the question that I think we're going to see, and, and what I'm hoping our weary souls will rejoice in, is what does it mean to you? Like, like personally, what does it mean to you that the Christ came? Not just our Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one, the redeemer, the restorer. What does it mean that he came? In John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Let me just step back for a minute and, and kind of blow your mind with, with this thought. So Because, because Gen Genesis starts the same way. Genesis 1 starts with, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we'll come back there in a minute. But, but, but I want you to think about this. Before there was anything, Genesis 1, John 1, before there was anything, where was God? Where was God? There was nothing. Right? Now, now the answer is God is outside of time. I mean, our brains can't even comprehend. Do you understand why I'm asking the question? Because the fact that we can't even comprehend where God was before he created everything tells us that, that he is God and we are not. Right? We, we need to embrace, like, the, the, there are parts of the Christmas story, of the gospel story, that are not understandable from our perspective. Because we can't even get to, so where was the triune Godhead hanging out when they were talking together about creating everything? Because there was nothing. Because God is outside of everything. He is in everything, and he exists outside of everything. He's outside of time. He's outside of space. He doesn't need a place to be. He is. He just is. The other interesting thing about this whole, about, about the first part of, of John 1 is when he says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. Every reference to the Godhead in John is in the plural form. It's in, it's in the, the word Elohim, which is the plural form of God. It means one being made up of many parts. Right? And so, so there's this idea that, that right from the beginning in Genesis, when, when in Genesis 1.26, when, when, when the triune Godhead is saying, let us make male and female in our image, that's a plural, right? He's saying they, the triune Godhead, made us in their image. There's this, there's this oneness in the midst of, um, of diversity, and that is what we see in God. The other thing is, the, the, uh, in, in just these first couple of verses, is the word, word. When it says in the word, um, in, in the beginning was the word. The word for word there in Greek is logos. The rhema word of God is the spoken word. It's a word like hope and peace and love and joy. That's the rhema word of God. That's the, that's the, the, the Bible that you hold in your hand and maybe right now. That's, that's not what John is talking about. He's saying in the beginning was the logos. What was the logos? The logos was the story of God. The Logos was the gospel. The, the Logos was the message of God and all that God is. So when John says, in the beginning was the word, he's saying, in the beginning was all that God ever was. And, and then he goes on in verse 3, and he says, and all things were made through him. Now we just went from a word, like, like a, the, in, the, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Now we're talking about a pronoun that is, that is a he, and he was with God. And in him, and then it says, and all things were made 
through him. So the word isn't a thing. The word is a someone. Now, most of you figured this out. The someone is Jesus, and John will show us that at the, in, 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 um, in verse 14, and we'll get there in a minute. And it says, and without him was, was not made anything that was made. So in other words, everything that has ever existed was made through Christ. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In, Je- in Genesis chapter 1, he says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then he says, and, then he says and, the, and the earth was formless and void, and the darkness hovered over the void. And then it says, and the Spirit of God hovered over the void. So here we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit in creation. John is just pulling that whole thing forward to tell us there is a a consistent thread in God's story. And Christmas, the night we celebrate tonight, when Jesus came, is an exclamation point on that story. But Jesus is always the active one in creation. How did God create? He spoke. And then God said, let there be light. That was the first thing he did in day one. But he didn't create the sun until day four. So who was the light? Jesus was the light. Jesus, is, Jesus was the word that spoke creation into existence. And Jesus was the light that lit it up. All the way back in the very beginning. That's why Paul tells us in Colossians, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. He, is the, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him, the him is Jesus, and for him. He could not be more clear. Jesus is the active one creating in creation. And then he goes on in John 1, 4, he says, in him was life. So he's going to sort of transition from creation to this idea of light. Because he says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not overpower it. It actually means overtake it. Guys, we have to understand, the darkness is not winning. We have come to believe that the darkness is winning because of what we see going on in our culture and in our world. And, And it is not winning. Christmas proves Christ coming and the cross proves the darkness is not winning. And we have to live victoriously, regardless of what we see in our circumstances. But why does it seem so dark? Well, John tells us in John 3, 19, he says, here is the truth. The light came into the world, but men rejected the light because they loved the darkness because their deeds were evil. We will not naturally turn to the light. And John will tell us that. But the word has always been the, the light. All the way back in the Psalms, it talked about your word is a light to my feet and a lamp to my path in Psalm 119. Right? That, that this idea that the word is the content, the message of the gospel. Jesus is the person of the gospel. And the light is what makes it all visible for us to see. Like, but that light has to come to us from him. That's what I love about the candlelit service. Because it reminds us, as we, see this, as we see this one light, and then as we'll see this light spreading throughout the room at the end of our time, we, we see that like, the light really can pierce the darkness. Now the Apostle John, who writes 
the Gospel of John, shifts his gaze for just a minute, and he starts to talk about John the Baptist. And he says in verse 6 through 8, he says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came to bear witness or give testimony about the light so that all might believe through him. Now, one, I just want to point out just for a minute, because Christmas is, Christmas is many things. Like the night we celebrate Christ's coming is many things. And one of them is a massive amount of fulfilled prophecy. There is huge amounts of Old Testament prophecy that are perfectly fulfilled right when God said he was going to do it. In, in Galatians 4.4, Paul, the Apostle Paul says, in the fullness of time, at just the right time, God sent his son. Now, what that means is when all of these things in the Old Testament were coming together and the time was just right, God said, Gabriel, now it's time to go send the message, what David read to us earlier. Right? That's Now, the way God fulfills that prophecy is through us. It's through his people. There was a man sent from God. It doesn't say John chose to be the forerunner of Christ. It says God sent him. Because the way God fulfills his prophecy perfectly is because he's the sovereign one in control of all things. And that's a beautiful thing. And we need to hold on to that because that's where we get our security. But that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Isaiah talks about John. Isaiah, written 700 years before Jesus was born, he talks about the voice crying in the wilderness. The synoptic gospels, gospels, the the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, make really clear that this this one is John the Baptist that Isaiah is talking about. Now, John is going to go on in in verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, that means the whole world, was coming into the world. It it literally means the light that illuminates truth entered the world. So they they had the truth of God's word in the Old Testament, but they didn't understand it because they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet, because Christ had not come. Verse 10, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Guys, the light shines. The light shined on Christmas night 2,000 years ago. The light is shining today. If, if you are a follower of Christ, the light is in you, your hope of glory. And most people are still missing it. And we should not judge them for it. Our hearts should break for them. Because if, if you have seen the light, that is the grace of God. But in verse 12 when he says, but all who did receive him for all who did believe in his name he gave them the right to become children of God now here's what's interesting about as 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 in control of everything as God is when it's with that word there when it says as many as received him it's actually the word lambano in the Greek and it's written in a form that says the, the the person giving the gift is the initiator but the result of the taking is not known here's what that means It means God said, you have the right to receive. If he's enlightened your soul, he is giving you the right to receive. He's giving you the power to receive. But you have to receive. That's the gospel. We are fully responsible for for believing. When when John says, and believed in his name, that word believe there is just pistis. It's, It's the word for faith. It means having faith in, trusting in, believing in what God has promised and is being fulfilled. So there's this beautiful truth right here in these first, these verses of John that say, 
God is fulfilling his plan perfectly, and yet he has given us the power and the ability to choose to reject him. Now, he says, just to make the point even clearer, he says, he gave them the right to become children of God. Now, we hear the word right, especially as Americans, and we think of like the Bill of Rights, the things we're allowed. What, he, what, what that word right there really means in the Greek is he's given us the power of choice. He's given us the ability to come into the light. Jesus did not come all this way just to hope that people might get saved. But Jesus didn't come all this way for you to shove him out your door either. That's the mystery of the gospel. And then the last couple of verses before we, I finish my first part, he says he was born not of, the, not of the, these people that receive because they believed, because they were given the ability to by God. It says they were born not of blood, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So right there, John is making the order. He's saying, he's saying the way people come to faith in Christ is God moves first. Right? The gospel is always previous. The will of God is what made these people believe. It's this weird tension that we live in. No one, guys, if you're sitting here today and there are people in this room today that do not know Jesus, they do not have the light. And I have been praying all week, we have been praying all week, that you would come into the light. But guys, nobody that rejects the light is going to end up in eternal separation from God and go, God, you put me here. At that point, you will know you put yourself there. And nobody who has received the light, who has come to faith in Christ, who believes in the promises of God, is going to be in heaven going, man, I made the right choice. We're going to be saying, man, God, thank you for your grace. I do not deserve this. Guys, the the reality is, what happened on Christmas night 2,000 years ago is what John tells us in verse 14. And the Word became flesh. The Word, the eternal Word of God, the speaking voice of God, became a man and made His dwelling among us. He tabernacled among us, and we beheld His glory, glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Guys, understand, when G, we celebrate, and rightly so, the beauty of the, of the barn scene, but that baby that was born in a barn was born to die, and he knew it before he came. In fact, he knew it before he spoke creation into existence. None of this, this mess, the brokenness of this world, none of this has Jesus by surprise. None of your mess None of your mess has Jesus by surprise. That's why he came. That's what we celebrate. John is going to elaborate on this idea of full of grace and truth as he goes on in the second part in just a few minutes. But I just want to convey the, the idea that, that Jesus coming to earth, was, he came to die for our salvation, but he also came to show us what grace and truth, what 
love and righteousness, what, what, what those things can look like lived out, and we don't want to miss that. As the music team comes up to, to do a song before we go into part two and, and elaborate a little bit more on that grace and truth theme that Paul's going to tell us, I'm just going to read a reflecting point. This is in your bulletin. I know you can't see it right now. It's okay, but it's, it's in the insert in your bulletin. It says this. It says, if you know Christ, I mean really know Christ, it is because you have beheld his glory. Remember, the first call of the Christian is not behave, but behold. Behold, believe, become, then behave. And his glory is in the perfected and perfecting beauty of grace and truth coming together perfectly. The perfected beauty of perfect, the, the perfected and perfecting beauty of grace and truth coming together perfectly in the person and work of Christ. Now, I'm not asking you to, to answer. I'm asking you to reflect on this. How do you see grace and truth realized in your life?
So is all well? Is all well with your soul? Like, I mean, I mean, honestly, like in a world, this isn't in my notes, but like in a world that just feels like, you know, and sometimes in my life, most, a lot of times in my life, when I feel like nothing is working, and I'm just tripping all over myself in sin, guess what? All is well. You know why? Because Christ has come. My wellness isn't about my behavior, neither is yours. My, our wellness isn't about our circumstances. Our wellness is about the fact the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we beheld His glory full of grace and truth. So as we talk about what does it mean that the Christ has come, it means that the eternal world, world, Word has entered the world, and it means that the incarnate Word became the Savior. And I just have four more verses in this passage, and then we'll get ready to light our candles. In verse 15 of John 1, it says, John testified about him and cried out, this is John the Baptist now, saying, this was he whom I said, the one who's coming after me is of a higher rank than I am, for he existed before me. Now, he's not talking biologically, because John, biologically, John was Jesus's cousin, and biologically, John is older. He's saying he has always existed because he is the Word, the eternal Word, the Logos of God, the whole message of all that God has ever been saying. He's like, that's why he's greater. And then here's this, this whole thing again. For of his fullness, remember, and full of grace and truth in verse 14, and verse 15, or verse 16, now he says, and in his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. Again, in Colossians, Paul says, For it was the Father's good pleasure that all the fullness would dwell in him, that he would reconcile all things to himself. And then in chapter 2, verse 9 of Colossians, he says, For in Christ the fullness dwells in bodily form. And his fullness is gracious. Right? He came here because he's a gracious, loving God. In Ephesians 1, Paul says, In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he has lavished upon us. Guys, Jesus didn't come all this way to be stingy about his salvation. He didn't come all this way to be stingy about his grace. He lavishes it upon us. Verses 17 and 18, the last couple of verses we'll look at. He says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten God who is of the bosom of the Father, he's talking about Jesus, he, Jesus, has explained him. You see, that little child is out there crying. They were your children that are in the room right now, which is a beautiful thing, including the crying one. Not to that parent, but it's a beautiful thing. They were begotten. They were not made. See, we, Jesus was the begotten of the Father because we beget things that are like us. We make things that are different. So we beheld the only begotten of the Father 
And he, Jesus, is the one who explained them. So this idea of grace and truth are realized, it really, all, all that really, so what does that mean that grace and truth were realized through Christ? It really just means came into being. For the first time in all of existence, there was, because God's people had God's truth. What they didn't, and, 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 and God's grace is all over the Old Testament, but what they didn't understand was just how gracious their God was. That's why they built the system of earning God's favor. And it just didn't work. That was God's point. That's what the Old Testament points to. He's like, try to earn it, folks. I'll even help you by giving you some hints. But you're going to fail. And that's why Christ has to come. That's what John means when he says grace and truth were realized. That, that ultimately the, all of the truth of God's word came out in this expression of grace of God going, I will do what you cannot do. I will be the one. We tend to be, as people, we tend to be either truth people or grace people. But it doesn't say that Jesus came in grace or truth. It says he came in grace and truth. It takes both. And both were perfectly expressed in who Christ was. And then when he says, and he, Jesus, has explained him, all he really means is he has fully expressed who God is and what God does. Guys, do you want to see God? There's a world out there that, that says, I don't believe that God exists, but I, I want to, if, if I could see him, then I, then, then I would believe in him. Guys, if you want to see God, then look at Jesus Christ, because he is God. And if you want to see Jesus, open your Bibles. That's why we're a church that, that stands so hard on the word of God. Guys, it's not because we can't find some other fun, creative thing to do on a Christmas Eve service. Or on a, any given Sunday. It's because we know that he is the word of God. And we come to this place or we gather in our small groups or wherever we are. It's because we want to have an encounter with Christ. And we do that as the one and others gather around his word. Because that's who he is. Jesus is the explanation of the gospel story. God saves sinners. Christ is the one who explains that. His coming explains that. Without his coming, there is no gospel story. Without his birth, life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and the sending of his spirit, there is no gospel story. And that's, and that's not even the end. We're, wait, we're just, as, as Abby said, just as they were waiting for his first coming and drifted off and forgot to, to be on the lookout, God's people today are doing the same thing. He is coming again. And we will see his full expression. And man, I cannot wait. So if the gospel is the story of how a right and just and truthful God can be so loving and gracious, and he is the one who can save, how does that work? Well, the answer is, it can only be Christ. And him crucified. And, at the, and a few verses down, in verse 29 of John chapter 1, I'll finish up with this. It says, John looks out and he sees Jesus coming. And he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
That's why Christ came. Christ came to be the Lamb of God. Guys, Christ has always been the Lamb. He is the one that was in the garden who, who, who covered the shame of Adam and Eve. He is the one who took the place of Isaac when Abraham was about to slaughter him on the altar. He was the one who the Passover lamb that was taken during the Exodus to keep God's judgment from falling on God's people. He was the one who was sacrificed in the temple over and over and over again for, for eons until he came to be the one, the perfect lamb. No more need for sacrifice because it is finished. John says in John 20, verse 31, he finishes his gospel with this. These things are written so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you would have life in his name. So do you. Guys, what does it mean that the Christ came? Here's what it means. Salvation for everyone who believes in him. Pray with me. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for the truth that, that you are the living, eternal word. And that your word is living and active. I do pray that, that even the word that was expressed here tonight and has been sung and, and that we're, as we continue throughout our evening, Lord, that it would do its work, that you would do your work, that he would do his work in our hearts. Regardless of where we are on our journey with Jesus, maybe we don't know, maybe we do, maybe we've forgotten, maybe I, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you would remind us that you're a good God. That the gospel story is a story of grace and truth. Of redeeming love. Of pursuing grace. Of redemption for sinners. Of restoration of all things. That there is no heart here that is too hard. Lord, I pray that you would give us pause. to think about the things that really matter. Eternity hangs in the balance, literally. So I do pray, specifically for those that have not yet come into the light, that they would just lay their lives down so that their life would get out of the way and they could see the gospel light. Lord, that can only happen by the power of your Spirit. So we pray for that power in this place. And I do pray for those of us that maybe have grown weary. Lord, I pray that, that even through the rest of tonight and this weekend and going into our new year, Lord, I pray that, that our weary souls would rejoice in the goodness of the gospel story. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The stars are brightly shining. This is the night of our dear Savior. Long lay the world in sin and error pine. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees.
to love one another. His love, his love, and his gospel is for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy, in grateful chorus raise we, let all within us praise his holy Before you stand up, to like we're gonna—that's where we are, right? Um, does anybody need a candle? Did you get one when you got in, came in? Um, if you do, just yeah. There's some people jump into the back; they'll they'll bring you one. But um, you want to have your candle. Um, just be so. So a couple things: just pay attention to what you're doing. Pay attention to your little ones. Um, but also, and this is probably pay attention to like how the light spreads throughout the room. It's this idea, like the, the picture of the candlelight service outside of just being a pretty service, is this picture of. Oh, it's okay. Is oh, come here, buddy. Come here, buddy. You're fine. Oh, sorry. I killed him. It's that's okay. I love it. I love who we are. Glorious mess. Um, it's just it's this beautiful picture of how like as we as our lives touch one another. Like this this is God's mystery for sharing the gospel. He could have waited. The fullness of time could have been when Al Gore invented the internet, God sent Jesus so we could just spl splash it out over the internet. No, he, because his plan is life on life. Life for life. 
So as, as we're lighting our candles, be thinking about the fact, like, like, whose lives are you impacting for the sake of the gospel? So if you would, why don't you stand up, and we're going to sing a few songs, and then we're going to light our candles. in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You guys sing this last verse with us.
Sunday is uh, church at 10 a.m. on the 1st, and uh, such a great night, you know, if you, if you know the Lord here, guys, try to, to rest in him as we go into this, uh, the rest of tonight and tomorrow, and just uh, continue the celebration. If you don't, you know, this is the safest place in the world to come and just ask questions if you uh, feel that need. We're going to, real quick, the sending passage is from Isaiah, and Chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Oh, the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. I'm going to pray real quick. Thank you. And Jesus, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you, God, for just being able to come together, Lord, and celebrate the, the culmination of the hope and the peace and the joy and the love, Lord, that you give to us. We just thank you, God, so, so much for the, the grace and the mercy that you bestowed on us that we didn't deserve. But you are the God of heaven that sent your son. We thank you, God, for that gift. Lord, I pray for the meal tonight that uh, it would just be a blessing to those that are going to be here to enjoy. And we just thank you, God, again, for so many blessings. Be with us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Blow out your candles. Thank you.
Um, there should be a place to put your candles back uh, somewhere out there. Michael, I think, is going to grab it, so probably in the kitchen area. Just uh, throw your candle in the bin. Have a nice, have a, a safe evening for those that are not staying for dinner. Merry Christmas.